0: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, another crazy week. I start that way every week. It's always been another crazy week. And the reason is we've had three years of Donald Trump. He controls the news. He determines what the news is going to be. I mean he comes up with 18 million different things a day I know it's an exaggeration the number but he comes up with a multitude of items and they they take over the news and the media does not has not the opportunity nor does it seem to be willing to bring other things up the world moves on there is more than Donald Trump in this world okay so as I do every week and as I do in my blog that I write every day I try to speak of things also that are happening that have nothing to do with Mr. Trump. So let me tell you where we're going tonight. We're going to take in, we'll be talking about some things that don't involve the president. Uh, We're going to go to Detroit, North Korea, China, Russia, Washington, D.C., California, Mississippi, Boston, Canada, and Florida. We have many corporate leaders today, and our corporate leaders, the corporate world, Unfortunately, the leaders have changed over the years. There was a time 50, 70 years ago where the leaders of corporate America, sure, they wanted their companies to succeed, to survive, to make money, money for their stockholders, uh, money to improve their particular positions in the world, money to help their product, whatever it was they were manufacturing. They were honorable men, generally, okay? Not all of them, but they were generally honorable men. They had a sense of knowing what and being what an American was. Uh, They were not selfish people. Uh, They were not inclined to only be concerned with making the big dollar for themselves and their company and screw everything else, including the United States of America. So tonight, I'd like to start by... Bring to your attention someone you may be aware of, may heard of, be, have heard of, or maybe you haven't. Uh, his name is Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca was born on October 15, 1924 in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He was the son of Italian parents Nicola and Antoinette, who had emigrated from the Benevento province of the Campania region in Italy. His entrepreneurial father ran several businesses from movie theaters to car rental agencies, building wealth for the family. Then the Great Depression struck, and Father Nicola lost everything in the 1929 stock market crash. The family's financial suffering making an indelible mark on young Lee. Iacocca graduated from Lehigh University in 1945 and, with the nation ripe for post-war production, went to work in the auto industry. He used his innovative ideas to rise through the ranks of Ford. His greatest innovation stemming from an observation that, for younger car buyers, a car had to be more than merely functional. It had to be a car you could drive to the country club on Friday night, to the drag strip on Saturday, and to church on Sunday. Iacocco, so said. so he created the Mustang. Now, I remember the Mustang, okay? Uh, I was a young lawyer. I had a family of four children and a wife. I could not buy the Mustang because I couldn't put all – it was a little small convertible. Uh, I, there was no room to put the family in, and I had not yet made it, so to speak, as an attorney and could not afford two automobiles. So I had to buy a bigger car than a Mustang, but Mustang was the car. It was the exciting car, young and old alike, middle-aged. Everybody was buying Mustangs, driving around with the top down. My sister bought a Mustang. She's 10 years younger than me. I love her dearly. Whenever I wanted to borrow the Mustang just to take a ride in the country, she let me do it. It was a wonderful vehicle. Anyhow, he created the Mustang. He had the foresight to see, to determine that we should have a car like that, a car that would appeal to all ages and could be used for every purpose. And it was a cheap car to buy. All right? Now, so... He became president of Ford as a result of this. And as soon as he became president of Ford, I don't know why, but he was abruptly fired by Henry Ford II. He autom- he had to have another job. <laughs> they fired him. He made the Mustang. He created the Mustang. Made Ford a ton of money, and the Ford family fired him. Chrysler was in trouble at the time. They were in deep throes of financial recession. Uh, the word was going out of business cannot survive so he took over as chairman of chrysler he liked a fight and he saved the company he took over the time of imminent bankruptcy he saved the company convincing congress to loan money to chrysler this was unheard of to issue 1.5 billion dollars 1.5 billion dollars in loans to chrysler he turned chrysler around increasing sales with the production of fuel-efficient cars and minivans. He brought the minivans into the ballgame, by the way. This man, he, he had a mind. He thought he had foresight. He could see. Chrysler uh, then paid back the federal loans with interest seven years before they were due. He repaid 1500000000 billion-plus interest seven years before the loan was due to be paid. Who does that today? Okay? And who did it back then? Nobody except for Lee Iacocca. And when he paid back the money, he said, we at Chrysler borrow money the old-fashioned way. We pay it back. We at Chrysler borrow money the old-fashioned way. We pay it back. He passed away this past July at the age of 94. I wanted—I sh- came across his life in a magazine. I wanted to share it with you. Uh, that's the kind of people we had running our businesses back then. It's not the same today. Uh, they're working for the business, but more for themselves, uh, what their pension is, how many stock options they're going to have, how, how rich they're going to be when they retire, uh, how many corporate jets, how many yachts, et cetera, et cetera. It's a different world today. And I think our country, in addition to need, needing better politicians, better leaders, we need better corporate heads who are not only functioning for the good of their company, but also have in mind, I must function for the good of my country. Which now brings me to the economy may not be as good as it appears. I've been saying we're heading for a recession. I've been saying this for, ever since Trump became president, uh, especially this past year, and it has not happened. Well, we are told by Donald and a lot of other people, the economy is the best ever. Uh, look at the stock market, the highest ever. Jobs, unemployment is the lowest ever. Uh, well, let's take a look at the facts, okay, and see how good this prosperity we are undergoing is, okay? Lisa Shallert is the chief. Investment Officer of Wealth Management, Chief Investment Officer of Wealth Management. She says she thinks that American investors are wearing rose colored glasses. American investors are wearing rose colored glasses. Yet, normally, when you have a strong stock market performance, okay, it's based on a vibrant economy, vibrant economy. And a, and robust corporate profits. Now, our our stock market is not based on a robust economy and robust corporate profits. Uh, number one, the financial status of the corporations are driven by the federal rate cuts, the big tax cut that the corporations got under Donald Trump. It's still helping them. Okay, Uh, that that's showing them to be profitable when normally they wouldn't be profitable, and also expectations—very important word—expectations for improvement in the trade uh, problems we're having. The trade problems, especially with China, have to improve. Now, both of these items—the federal tax cuts. And expectations, that means something should happen to make things better with the trade war, uh, are not indications of economic growth. They're just indications that something is going to happen. You need historically federal – you need historically a strong, strong, robust economy, which is not – ours is based on Sanji Field's. And robust corporate profits, which really aren't true, they're based on the tax cut. Also, she says, manufacturing is in recession, which is true. Uh, We do read every day, uh, they sneak this into the news, that manufacturing in the United States is in recession. Okay? Corporate profits are in decline. United States stocks okay are very expensive today if you look at this through the eyes of a true economist the cost of stocks are very expensive in relation to the corporate earnings are very expensive in relation to corporate earnings she says investor optimism is misplaced okay there is a growing wedge between reality and investor expectations a growing wedge between reality and investor expectations. Economic indicators are worsening, she says. The U.S. consumer may not be as strong as expected, and the labor market could weaken. She also tells us that stock valuations, stock valuations are high at a time the odds for disappointment ...are rising. Stock valuations are high at the time. The odds of disappointment are rising. In other words, the market's going to come down, my friends. She claims, and I happen to believe her, I, because this is the theory I've to, I'm not an economist... Uh, but I'm 84 years old, when you've been 84 years old, you've lost a lot of money in the market. You've made a lot of money. You've made a lot of invest- investments. You've lost a lot of investments. You sort of have an understanding. And I think our market is, our economy is vulnerable. Now, there are those, though, okay, that say that Wall, Wall Street, and Wall Street is one of these people generally, that see the stock market on verge of a melt-up, not a meltdown. Wall Street says there's going to be a melt-up. Things are going to get even better, okay? And this primarily depends on the type of deal that the United States is making with China at the present time. You know, there's a trade deal. they got to sign it yet, maybe in the next few days. They've come to some sort of an understanding. Uh, The deal sucks. Many, many economists say this deal that Trump has made with China, it sucks, okay? It absolutely sucks. It's done for political expediency. Trump needs to say, uh, because, you know, he always does this. I won. We beat him. See, I got him to sign a new agreement. This one sucks. Um, something else out there about the economy. The economy we have today is, is very good for the rich and the wealthy, but not for the everyday person. And I'm going to talk basics now, something that we all understand. Basic, basic, basics. Did you know, what's one of the easiest loans to get? You want to buy a new car. You get an auto loan. You want to buy a used car. You get an auto loan. You go to the bank. Auto Loans are down. They're being rejected, not that people aren't applying for them. More people are being rejected for lousy auto loans than in the history in many, many years here. In October, auto rejection loans, okay, were up by 8.1%. They were turned down 8.1%, more than October in the previous year because in October last year, Auto loans were up 4.5%. This October, they're down 8.1%. This is based upon the bank saying yes or no. Uh, They expect, okay, next year, maybe auto loans will be up 1%. Not a hell of a lot, my friends. Now, that's auto loans. What about mortgages on your house or a a mortgage refinancing loan? Okay, okay. More and more mortgage and mortgage refinancing applications are being declined and were declined in 2018 and more and more today than in 2018. Moody's, Moody's warns us that the leading, what's going to happen is this, the leading standards by which money is loaned to people who want to buy a house is going to become what they describe as spotty credit, spotty credit. In other words, people today can't meet the standards that are, to borrow money that have been in effect since, let's say, 2010, 2011, because the banks had to straighten things out after 2008. Uh, they got tough, and then people were able to meet these, the, the, these application requirements. But now not enough people qualify under existing mortgage standards. So the banks they can't make money unless they loan money for houses, for example. So what they have to do is reduce the requirements to obtain mortgage monies. And it has been said, and is being said, that in 2020, okay, uh, mortgages, mortgages are going to be there going to be a higher number of mortgages uh, granted uh, because they're going to make it easier to obtain mortgage credit. Now, this is shades of 2008. Let's go back to 2008, the second greatest recession in the history of the United States. Why did it happen? Why? Because the banks went crazy from 2006 to 2007. They started loaning money. You could borrow money for anything. The banks didn't care what your credit was, what your security was. They were happy to loan you money because they didn't h- hang on to those mortgages. They turned around, and the term became they bundled them together, and then they sold them into a market. where they, were, they sold them to somebody else who invested them in a market, became stock trading on bundled mortgage loans from banks, where the banks had no guarantee on those type of loans from the government. They had no government banking. And so people who couldn't afford the mortgages... They couldn't keep paying them. After a year or two, they started going into foreclosure. Uh, The government wasn't there to bail the banks out directly on the mortgages because they didn't guarantee the monies. Uh, The banks were taking a beating. The people took a beating in the end. Uh, Our government, as it always does, it always bails the banks out. Banks can do no wrong. And the banks survived, and millions of people in this country lost their homes, and it could happen again. I kid you not let's go to North Korea. Isn't it wonderful? Was it been two years now that Trump and Kim Jong-un have met on what, two or three occasions. They have become friends. Trump describes it as a love affair. They exchange love letters between each other. One's crazy and the other one is not. You have to excuse me. Uh, Now, we were supposed to enter into some sort of an agreement with North Korea. We never did. Uh, Our people met twice, the last time Kim Jong-un and uh, Trump were going to sign something together. And apparently, as the story goes, Trump at the last minute decided to change some significant terms on the day of the signing. And Kim Jong-un didn't even say goodbye. He left for the airport and went. He was gone. And he's been pissed at Trump. But Trump keeps saying We're okay. We're having a love affair. Well, in the last year, uh, instead of not uh, developing new missiles that are capable of carrying nuclear warheads long distances, Kim has continued to do that, and he's doing it more and more. This past year alone, in this year, 2019, he has had 13 or 14 test missiles uh, go off. Now, These are not that you're going to send from North Korea to Japan or to South Korea. We're talking about the last two missiles tested, and they were tested in the last two weeks, had the capability of going from North Korea to the United States. Missiles that had the capability of carrying nuclear warheads. Trump, I'm sorry, Kim, a couple of days ago said, now, look, we're supposed to have had a deal. Uh, Nothing's happening And unless we get the concessions we expect, I am telling you, Donald Trump, you can expect a, quote, unquote, Christmas gift from North Korea. He doesn't say what that Christmas gift will be. We can only anticipate. But unless I get concessions, there's going to be a Christmas gift. Well, Trump says, I'm not concerned. He says, and I quote, I'd be disappointed. He also says, and I quote, we'll take it. We'll take care of it. We will take care of it. Don't worry about anything. I've got this under control. Uh, Well, let me tell you something. Christmas is what? How many days away now? Christmas is eight days away. Are we going to get a Christmas gift? This Kim Jong-un is crazier than Donald Trump, okay? Uh, He's nuts. (laughs) Trump is nuts. This guy's crazy, crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. Something bad could happen. It seems that every time Trump screws somebody, that country turns around and gets close to or closer to Russia than it had been previously. I think Putin is one of the smartest people in the world. Uh, He's getting everybody to come his way because every time Donald Trump screws up, he takes advantage of it, and in most instances, without even a bullet being fired. Now... China and Russia, because look, we got these trade wars going with China. China and Russia have gone to the the United Nations. The United Nations has certain sanctions, heavy sanctions, the United Nations itself, on North Korea. And China and Russia together said, we think these sanctions should be removed, or most of them should be removed. Now, the issue has gone to Trump. And the reason being that under United Nations rules, the United States is one vote. We only have one vote is sufficient to veto any reduction in the sanctions, just the way the paperwork goes. We can kill it. And Trump says this is not the time. I don't know what's going to happen, but the thing I sh- why I share this with you is China and Russia, hand in hand, have gone to the United States, the United Nations, seeking this reduction. Now, a wild story. This I didn't know. Maybe you knew. Uh, some things I don't pay attention to. But I also think the media should share news with us other than Donald Trump. All right. Did you know that college enrollments? Kids going to college, college enrollments, are in their eighth year of a decline. Yes, fewer kids are going to college today than we going eight years ago. Now, this blows my mind what I'm going to share with you. At the same time, these enrollments are significantly down. They're in the millions. At the same time that the enrollments are down, loans, student loans have skyrocketed. Can you imagine? I don't know why, but they've they've gone way up. Some some of the things I want to share along the lines with this story. There are more women than men going to college today. Uh, Can't come up with the reason why. uh, They say they describe the the fewer men going to college as stunning. That's the term they use, but they're not sure why yet. Fall of 2011. There were twenty point one million students enrolled in college. Twenty point one million. In twenty nineteen, this year, this past month, there are only seventeen point nine million students enrolled. Okay? That is a ten point eight percent reduction or two point one seven million students less than in twenty eleven. During now this is this blows me out again. During the same time Student loans since 2011 have surged 74%. Where the hell is this money going? Have surged 74% from $940 billion to $1.64 trillion. Student loans, trillion-dollar numbers. Anything with trillion-dollar numbers is really big time where did this money go why did it have to be sent, spent to that extent when fewer kids were making application for the monies the colleges taking the worst beatings are the for-profit colleges not all colleges are state universities uh you know you got the Harvard, yales where you got to pay your way they're down they're they're down in enrollment by 56 percent. okay in the year 2010 The for-profit colleges had 1.6 million students, 1.6 million students. The for-profit colleges today have 750,000 students. Wild, absolutely wild. Uh, Again, more men and more women than men. Uh, Enrollment since 2011 for men is down 13%. Women are up 9.4%. Uh, What are the reasons for this? One reason is given that there are fewer people going to college, whether men or women, because you went to college because the college degree meant that over the course of your lifetime you were going to earn more money than those without a college degree, that you would have better jobs, that you would have a better way of life, that you could provide your, for your families better. Not the case today. These kids coming out with college degrees can't get jobs after spending all this money incurring $50,000, $150,000 in student loans. They can't get a decent job, many end up at McDonald's and Popeye's working okay all right, and most of them have these loans ninety nine percent of them have these student loans to repay. How can they repay these student loans? They're not making the money they don't have the capacity to to do it. They thought they could if they had a college degree so that is the story there uh very interesting What I'm going to share with you now. And this will be the last story of the evening. There, are, And I didn't know this either. More Americans are dying at home today rather than in hospitals. I repeat, more Americans today are dying at home rather than in hospitals. This is the first time this has happened since the early 1900s. Now, the trend reflects more hospice care, all right, and progress towards the kind of end that most people – Say they want. They want to die at home in their own beds. De- deaths in nursing homes is, al- is also declining. Uh, it brings a sort of quality to death. Betsy McNair, Betsy McNair, uh, Bell Haven, Virginia, her father, Robert, was 83. He died at home. Six weeks after learning he had lung cancer, he died at home. And she said, and I quote, she and her family, I made him exactly what he wanted to eat whenever he wanted it. He had a scotch every night. He had a very high quality of life. If he woke at 2 o'clock in the morning and wanted to have coffee and pie, that's what we did. And that's the way the trend is going. And God bless those who have family who can care for them in their last moments. Well, uh, that's the show for this week. I, I hope you enjoyed uh, I tried to bring things to your attention that you may not be aware of, and I was not aware of till I came across it somewhere. Uh, and I'll be looking for more of those things as time goes on. We are in trouble in this country. This impeachment thing is difficult. I doubt he will be actually impeached and forced out of office because the Senate's, Senate Republicans will vote to keep him in. Uh, I'm not saying whether that is right or wrong, I'm just saying, but I think this process is right to have taken place so far. Uh, you got to call the man. He's doing wrong all the time. Y- you got to say, Donald, you can't do this. And if you do, we're going to try to get you, even if we don't, we know we can't. Uh, he is ruining our country. He is ruining what we know as democracy. It's not going to be the same tomorrow for people in this country if he continues in office. If he gets reelected in 2020, time to leave the United States if he gets reelected. I'm serious when I say that. I'm 84. I may be dead next year. But it's going to be a tough place to live if he stays in office. I do a blog every morning, kwestblue.com. Please read it. It'll take you all the two or three minutes to read it. It's like if you like this show, you'll like my blog. If you don't like this show, don't read my blog. Uh, but it it's done every day. It's archived if you miss it on a particular day. If read it a few times. Read it three or four days. If you like it, keep reading it. I honestly believe you will enjoy it. So our show is ended. Thank you for joining me. This is Louis Patron signing off.